I'll just go ahead and mute everybody and I will, I guess, go ahead and start some introductions. Um, so if you have any questions, feel free to stop me. Um, I have everything recording, so hopefully, fingers crossed, my, my tech skills are as good as I hope they are. Um, they won't be, but I'm gonna hope they are. Um, so yes, I will be a little distracted here at the beginning trying to add everybody. I'm definitely gonna take that feature off. I'm just gonna let you guys come on in. Okay, so hi. My name is Amanda Richards. I'm going to be your instructor for this course, INSC 590 Intro to Library Preservation. And uh, so we get off on the good foot. I just want to let you know that I'm terrified. Um, this is the first class I've taught. Uh, so you guys are my loving guinea pigs. And I'm very excited about it. I am so passionate about preservation and my job. And I, I just I love it. Um, so I'm hoping that my excitement about it comes through. Uh, so we'll start there. Some of you I have met in passing in other classes, um, or I work with you, or, um, you know, recognize your name in one way, shape, or the other. Uh, so I will start with closing out the chat for a moment, only because I am very easily distracted. Um, <laughs> so like I said, this is the intro to preservation. And um, this is me. Uh, I'm the preservation technician here on campus at the Hodges Library. Um, I work with the circulating collections and the special collections and archives. So technically I'm employed under special collections, but I work with um, everybody in the library. And I do all the book repair and boxing and conservation and all that jazz for the entire campus with the exception of law library and the medical library. And um, so that's the gist of that. Um, I answered some of these questions that I forced you guys to answer, and I appreciate y'all for uh, all that question answering. Um, I will start with, I have ADHD, and so this being my first class, it is going to be very scattered, and I promise I will do my best to get better at um, organization and, and all that. So bear with me, and if I start getting distracted, please, 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 type in squirrel or, you know, hey, over here, or, you know, something that's gonna like get me back in. Um, I might just need someone to, to wrangle me in because I will get on a preservation tangent and just head that direction. Especially if it's just me talking without other people interjecting. So if everyone's on mute, I, I'm, I'm just talking to a screen. Um, so I'll go ahead with <laughs> my, um, my answers to your to your survey questions. Um, oh, one second, I have someone trying to get in, panicking. Let me let them in. One second. See if that works. 
L. I think we're back. I hope. Okay. Again, tangenting. Sorry. So I think that's everybody. It says 33 participants. Everyone showed up. Yes. Um, if you get kicked off and on, that's not a problem. Um, I. It's been a weird year for me, for you, for everyone. So I, I want to be as chill as possible about most of everything that's going on this semester. So if you can bear with me through working out the kinks and teaching for the first time, I'll 100% work with you guys on, uh, you know, getting uh, through the semester as well. So I do have knitting, rock climbing, sewing, collecting new hobbies. Collecting new hobbies is absolutely my favorite new hobby. Um, probably the ADHD there. Um, once I get the hang of something, I lose interest for about a year and I'll come back to it maybe. Um, examples of this include uh, scuba diving and um, making chain mail, which funnily enough, all these weird skills that I've picked up along the way and collecting hobbies have come in so handy in the weirdest places in preservation. Um, yeah, I like to dabble in everything. Um, so pets or kids I like to brag about. I am married. Um, this June uh, will actually be, I think we're celebrating our 16th or 17th year. Don't let my husband know. I don't know. Um, it's 16 or 17. I don't know. We've been married for, I think, 11 of them. 16 years. There we go. Um, and uh, we have two kids, two boys, uh, five and seven, and I've been homeschooling them for the last entire year while also working full time. So again, that's probably going to play into this class as well. If I start talking to you like a five-year-old, please pardon me. You can just say, hey, <laughs> uh, you can talk to me like an adult, but I've probably just forgotten how to at this point. So um, uh, yeah, there's that. I have two dogs, two toy fox terriers. They are I like to say guinea pig size. They're about cat sized. And they are toy fox terriers. Um, I have a boy and a girl. Boy is doctor and the girl is Rose after my Doctor Who characters. Um, yes, we'll go over chain mail at some point. Uh, it does actually really weirdly come into play occasionally. Um, let's see, my biggest... Hmm. Oh, an interesting fact. I hate the idea of myself being a picky eater. Um, so I will, if I find a food that I don't like, I will eat it until I train myself to like it. I, I don't know if that's uninteresting or just weird, but there you go. Um, biggest pet peeve about grad school forever ago was the ridiculous amount of reading we had to do. And, um, also me being really stupid and deciding four classes during a summer term was a good idea um, in grad school while working full-time. It is not, I don't recommend it, but um, more power to you if you, if you were doing that. Um, but I did get to graduate in a year. So that was, that was the benefit there. Um, so yeah, the crazy amount of reading and it, it was almost never relevant to what we were actually learning. So I, You'll notice when you get to the readings, it's like, here's required, here's the 
when I put required, I just mean this is the bare bones. This is the minimum that you can get away with um, and us still have a, a good conversation about what's going to be happening um, in this semester. And then anything that, um, anything that says suggested readings or for further thought or any of those things, um, those are all extra and they're just going to help you dig into that particular topic a bit more. Um, so let's see, online pet peeve. I, the online classes I took were so long ago. Um, most helpful advice. Um, you don't have to do everything. Uh, so you can, you can just not do everything all at once. Um, I, I have a hard time following that advice, um, but it's, it's good advice. Uh, and saying, I don't know, just, I don't know. Let me find the answer. That has been like the saving grace. Um, after I graduate, I want to work in special collections. So I've done that. My favorite SIS class was also the one I hated the most, um, which was a social media for libraries class. And I loved it because it was right at the beginning of like the start of social media branching out 2011, 2012. Um, but the teacher was horrible. Um, so, you know, what can you do? Um, what, why did I decide to teach this class was I have student workers every semester or for as long as they'll stay with me. Um, and I love nerding out on preservation with them. And half of them were in library school and kept telling me, you need to just teach a class because I've learned more in five minutes with you. So I'm hoping that actually works out here where you, you can actually learn something from me instead of me just rambling on incessantly. Um, I am most excited for this class to be excited with you guys because I love nerding out, as I've said about seven times now, in case you missed it the first six. Um, what I want out of this class is I would love to have like some really good conversations, whether that's through projects that you're submitting or discussion boards or online lectures. Um, I, I feel like you learn a lot more about preservation through like just interacting. So if you're comfortable unmuting and interacting and asking questions, by all means do that or ask questions through the chat. And I'll try to occasionally remember to jump onto chat and, and read some questions out um, and, and answer those as we go along. Um, I just, I, I'm hoping that this class is as beneficial to you guys as I have hopefully set it up, set it up to be. So I am very good with constructive criticism. I like to play, I like uh, say that you probably can't hurt my feelings unless you're actively trying to. So if you see me doing something or saying something or, or, or laying a project out in a certain way that doesn't make sense to you, by all means, let me know. I'm happy to adjust um, what I'm doing within reason uh, for, for whatever it is that you need. Um, let's see. Tour the lab, I filmed a really, really ridiculous one today with me trying to do a selfie thing with my phone. It was horrible, but I'll upload it for you guys anyway. And then maybe we can schedule a time um, where I can do like a, I don't know, but if, if you guys are on like social media, we do like an Instagram live or something. And then you can tell me which way to look and explain things and demo or I don't know. I'm, I'm good with using social media. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with all of it. So um, I, if 
when we get to submitting things, you'll, you'll, if you like social media, you might like how I am offering to do a couple things. Um, group projects, there was a pretty even split down the middle on if everyone liked or hated group projects. So there are a couple of the virtual labs that we'll get into. Um, I think later on in the semester, I think maybe starting around like three or four um, that I will give you guys the options to work in small groups of like two or three. If you choose, it is totally optional, um, but you will have to submit separate papers so I can add a grade to them. Um, and so that's an option. Anything else I want you guys to know is, um, well, not really. I'm sure I'll overshare this entire semester. So um, get ready for that. Um, yeah. So anything else you would like to know about me or my job first before we dig in a little bit? I'm trying to be cognizant of the time. So um, yeah, I, I sent out like a survey a couple weeks back in an email and it was to, um, I reshared it in the last email that I sent out with the syllabus. Uh, it was optional. Um, I can send it to you again if you'd like to share. I did go ahead and say, <laughs> um, uh, print out some of the answers and I'll share some of those with you guys a little bit later anonymously. Um, so, Let's see. The creepy, horrifying orange thing behind me is uh, the 1950s um, smoky mascot. And if you see that picture in the bottom left-hand corner, uh, my knee is kind of blocking it. But there is the, the gentleman who was in the mascot suit at the time was laying in front of all the cheerleaders in the same position that I and uh, Smokey am in. And, um, yeah, it, so we we got that in for the 225th anniversary exhibit, and the archivist put him on. Well, he came in a box and on my desk, and they said we need to display him in the exhibit. And I was told, oh, we'll just put him on a mannequin; it'll be fine. And it, I put him on the mannequin, and it was just hanging very creepy, very Donnie Darko, and it was horrifying and terrifying. And I said, that won't do. So I asked, I begged if I could build a mannequin holder, like a, 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 a movable um, mannequin. And so I did, I went to Home Depot and I got some um, like really thin rebar and um, like uh, the, the corner, whatever that you get. I have pictures, I'll share it later on when we get into exhibits, but so it was a lot of fun putting him on there. And then I brought my sewing machine in and sewed up a skin suit, which I also have pictures of and it looks terrifying. My students were very scared at the time because they said, well, now we know never to um, you know, make you mad. We know you can, what you can do with the body. So um, the mannequin whom I build in the smoky suit, he is lovingly forever known as Beefcake Bill as a reference to, you know, he puts the lotion on the skin. So, you know. Um, this exhibit was on display uh, a year ago at, at the end of September 2019, maybe. Um, it, it's unfortunately not still up, but we do have copious pictures of it. So, um, yeah. 
also I deal with stress and whatever with humor. So pardon me not being the most professional, I'm sure. Um, but uh, th there'll be a lot of laughing and um, self self soothing in that way. <laughs> so, all right. Any other questions before we get into our first couple slides? The skin suit. The skin suit is still on um, the mannequin. I, uh, I'll see if I can find some pictures and I'll post it up in the discussion board. Um, but it it's basically just a muslin piece of fabric and he has rebar uh, in him with a foam head that I had to cover with more muslin fabric and then stuff that skin suit on top of the metal skeleton with um, like teddy bear filling. So he's basically a teddy bear terminator. Um, he, he's in special collections somewhere. Um, if you guys come in for a tour or when we do a virtual tour, I'll, I'll bring him out. He's horrifying. I love it. Yeah, uh, we think it was, I found a pattern from the 40s or 50s, somewhere in there, that was like one of those butterick patterns that you can buy at Walmart or wherever. And it was a, a rabbit and it looked so close to Smokey. So I think technically he's a rabbit in uh, pattern wise, but they thought the floppy ears would work for Smokey. I, I don't know, it was a different time, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to hide Beefcake Bill now, I think. Yep. All right. So for today, what I've got on the books, if we have time to cover everything, um, is what I have as far as expectations for the semester. We're going to define preservation, look at some parts of a book, handling books, preservation considerations, and we're going to go over what my expectations are for the first virtual lab. Um, I think I threw some other things in there at the last minute. I tried to do some polls and make this like interactive and stuff. We'll see if it works. I don't know. I don't, I really don't know what I'm doing. So we'll, we'll learn together, right? All right. So semester expectations, obviously Zoom. Um, where my notes would be helpful, wouldn't it? So the Zoom portion of the course is mandatory. Um, I think I was told that you can, like, if you have to miss one class, fine. You should let your instructor know. Um, but it is required, especially because it's such a short class. Um, I'm having to pack what I thought would initially be like 14, 16 weeks of content into like eight and a half. So um, I, I'm trying to make that as painless as possible and still make sure you guys get out of it what I think you should get out of it. Um, I am going to be recording all of the lectures and I will post them up afterwards. If you prefer to have um, closed captioning on them, let me know. I have a software that I can upload it and it like auto captions things. So if that is helpful at all, let me know. Also, um, let's see, I'll get to that in a minute when I have a little thing for it. Okay, so discussion boards are weekly as well. Another one of my pet peeves in grad school was just like the crazy amount that they wanted you to write on discussion boards. 
I don't want you to be writing small novels on, on there, but I do want you to take the prompt for the week. Sometimes it'll be like, write about the specific things. Other times it'll be expand on something you learned this week or in a previous week that you just thought was, you know, cool, or you ended up looking up further or went and learned more about. Um, so basically you're just going to have one thing that you need to write and it should be like a paragraph to two paragraphs. I feel like two paragraphs is pretty good um, for getting across an idea. Um, if you want to add in links to things that you saw that would help you explain what you're talking about, that's great. Um, basically, I want you to write it in such a way that it's going to engage other people to want to have a discussion with you about it. Um, so I try to leave them quasi vague so that way you can bring in the content in preservation, like the subject specifically in preservation that is interesting to you. So if you're into film or textiles or book and paper, um, you know, like the first one is talking about ethics is to read the AIC ethics um, uh, post and then talk about that in, in a specific way. Um, so if you want to talk about like the ethics of film preservation and like what that means as far as like health um, and like health and safety, and um, privacy for whatever copyright law. I don't know. Um, I'm just kind of throwing words out of my mouth. Um, I just want it to be something that some other students will want to engage with you on. Then you have to have one response to a peer. So you don't have to go around and comment on everybody's stuff. Just pick one that you think is interesting and ask some questions, give some further context, like write a little bit more. Again, another paragraph, maybe two paragraphs. You're not limited to that. You can write more than that, but I feel like one to two paragraphs is pretty good for like minimum. Um, and all these are graded, um, but I, I feel like they're probably gonna be fairly easy points. Um, I, I'm looking for, when I'm grading, I'm not looking necessarily for grammar and, and all that. I, I honestly, I don't care. Um, spelling, as long as I know what you're trying to say, is fine. I understand auto, autocorrect is literally my nemesis. So um, I, I'm not too, too worried about the small details, um, but more so that you're understanding the concepts and engaging in the content. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. Um, cool. All right. So then there is a quiz, a, a quiz, a quiz weekly. Clearly I'm getting tired. Um, there's, there's a quiz weekly and these are not meant to be tricky or trick you up or anything. And I probably said this already in the welcome video. If you watched that at all, it really is just to see if I'm doing okay. So that I, again, this is one of those where it looks in my eyes, it should be easy points. There are, you can take it as many times as you want. They're not limited to just once. So you can take it over and over if you want to get 100%. It, it's your grade. I don't know. This is very hard one way conversation. All right. So I have not been clicking. Horrible, horrible teacher I am. Okay. So, um, we got quizzes, then the virtual lab are basically hands-on um, projects. So 
I had really hoped to do this class in person so that way we could take it into the lab on occasion, but I was sweet talked into doing it totally online, which is good and bad bad because you don't get to physically come in, but good because those who aren't local can take the class. So I'm, I'm happy about it in, in that way. So um, pardon if you can hear the children yelling and fighting dad downstairs. You can, <laughs> they're, they're fighting bedtime. Um, so they're really just hands-on activities that'll get you moving your hands and I wrote a note down so I wouldn't forget it as far as like grading these because some of them are book binding and um, let's see, uh, we've got some book binding, we have drying a wet book, we have some book destruction that we're going to be doing, so book dissecting for the same thing. And then um, let's see, there's a bunch of stuff. I can't think of it off the top of my head. I'm sure we'll go over it later if there's time. So um, I'm, I want to make it very clear that I am not grading on how pretty or how nicely or neatly you are doing these things. I'm, that's not what I care about. This is the first time that you're going to be doing these activities. And so it will be awful unless you have any kind of training doing these particular skills with your hands. It's going to be awful. So please don't fret that. I, it's not even on my radar as far as grading that. What I am looking for um, is basically following directions and like self-critiquing. Um, yes, we're gonna be destroying and resurrecting the same book over and over again. So it'll be our Franken book. So pick something good. Um, everyone's gonna go out and buy Frankenstein now for that. I should have thought about that beforehand. Damn. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna touch a little bit more on the virtual labs in a minute. Um, so questions and ideas. I welcome any ideas you have throughout the semester because this is the first time I'm teaching it. I really am, I'm not gonna say I'm winging it. I've literally been like building this course in my head for two years that I've been trying to teach it. Um, but we can draw, we can drown a book, promise. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. You guys, I, I really need everyone to have video and audio on that day because I need to see the panic. It's, it's what I live for really. Um, so if you have any questions or ideas or projects that you would like to work on, um, bookbinding things, if you think the virtual lab that I've assigned for that week is going to be too easy for you, or maybe you already have skills in that particular area, if you just reach out to me, we can adjust that virtual lab to fit you a little bit better. On the flip side of that, if you are not comfortable at all doing the hands-on stuff like a book binding or whatever, I highly suggest you try it. Um, it might surprise you, but if you really would prefer written assignments, um, I'm happy to make those accommodations as well. Um, so it, will be a bit more work on your part, but um, if, if, if that's what you prefer, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, I feel like there's another point I was gonna make there and I lost my train of thought, so that's fine. Well, we'll continue, I'll remember in about 10 minutes and I'll jump in on completely wrong spot. I think my graphic popped up. 
Okay. So yes. So another thing that I've planned is um, guest interviews. So I've already recorded the first one and um, I want to ask your opinion on it before I actually post it. So um, the guest interviews I'm calling like snapshots or um, I haven't figured out exactly what to call them yet. Guest interviews just seems really lame. So I'm calling them snapshot interviews. They're supposed to be 15 minutes, but this first interview that I recorded already went to an hour, but that's because it was my good friend and we were talking about a really, really interesting um, topic. Um, so they're all gonna be pre-recorded, so that way I can record them during the day whenever is best for the guest, um, unless they are totally cool with coming into class, by all means, I will pull them in. Um, if we're doing it pre-recorded, I'll make sure I put a questionnaire out and put an announcement out or an email or something. Um, then uh, you can fill in the questionnaire, like things you'd like to ask them that you wanna know, um, things like that. I'll make sure you guys all know about it. Okay. So Slack, I did make us a Slack channel. So if you're comfortable with Slack, um, I think I put the link up somewhere. If not, I'll throw it up again so you guys can grab it. Um, it's basically just a chat, um, I don't know, a chat software, if you will, uh, that you can break down in different ways. And if it's useful for you, awesome. It's not required. It's not even you know, necessarily recommended, but it is an option if you prefer to have everything in one spot instead of like a billion emails. I've got Slack on my phone, I've got email on my phone, so I should be fairly good at checking those just whenever. I don't know. I'm winging it, guys. Okay, so next is a podcast. <laughs> I have made a podcast feed for our lectures. So if you are more auditory or maybe there's not a whole lot of images that you really care about during the actual lecture, um, I've made a podcast feed and it's gone out to all the major, I think it was accepted by all the major like Apple Podcasts, Google Cast and Pocket Cast, all those. Um, so all you have to do is search for INSC 590 Intro to Preservation. And I, I think, and, um, that will get you the podcast link. And so whenever I upload the audio for that class's lecture, and it really is just the same video Zoom lecture, it's just the audio, um, it'll go straight to your podcast feed um, for you to reference later. Um, again, I don't know if that's gonna be helpful for you, but I'm, I'm trying to cover all my bases here. So, but it, it will be the same as the, the recorded lectures. Okay, yeah. Listen, I, I got the tech down and I only know about the podcast. I only did that because I actually have another podcast, which maybe we'll talk about at another time. I don't know that it's so much the best for talking about during class, but there we go. Um, <laughs> winging it. Yeah, I, I, I'm an over planner. Um, so I, I feel like I'm winging it because I don't have all the modules up and, and everything's set. So it's a whiskey podcast. Uh, we'll get into it another day. Or if you're staying late, you can ask me more about it. That's fine. Um, so supplies. Um, okay, so I brought most of my supplies here. Let me see if I can pull them out. So I've got my, 
don't know if I even have my video here for you. Um, see. Stop share real quick. Oh, now I can see your faces. That's great. Okay, so I've got my book here. I've just got a hardcover book, and I'll probably be doing my examples with a bunch of different books, whatever I'm actually working on that day. So if you haven't already picked up your book, um, no worries. Uh, but I would recommend a hardcover book, Although a soft cover book is fine too, but you might have a little bit more fun with the hardcover just because of the different ways it moves and acts when you do the certain things that we're going to be doing to it. Do it. Okay. Um, let's see here. So we have let's see phone folder. Has anybody actually purchased their um, supplies yet? in the mail yeah and i'm sorry i really 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 tried to get the um the bookstore to order it and uh the awesome lady at the um in the bookstore was trying so hard to get everything for us on time but it just time-wise wasn't going to work it was going to get here like well into the mid semester um so I, I just told her that it would probably just be easier for everyone to purchase their own supplies. So I apologize. <laughs> the deals. Yeah. Um, there's uh, different sizes of bookbinders needles. So like I have a smaller one just because the big ones are just annoying to me to get in my way. Um, some thread. Um, and so if you, you kind of do need a needle, but a regular sewing needle is going to be fine. You can buy those at Walmart for like, I think 20, 30 cents a pack. Um, Honestly, you buy everything you need in between the office supply aisle and the craft aisle at Walmart um, for probably under 30 to $40, I wanna guess. I'm guessing, I don't know. What do I know these days? Um, so the bone folder, um, not 100% absolutely must need. It's just gonna make your life a little bit easier when it gets to folding paper and scoring the uh, cardstock. Um, yeah, I get lost in Joanne's. I'm not allowed in there. My husband has forbade it. Um, then we have the, that's a joke. Then we have a utility knife. I like the Ulta knife just because they're rather easy to use. I don't know. They have this little bit that this comes out. And then if you need a new one, instead of taking the whole thing apart, you just like take your pliers and snap the blade off and now you got a new sharp blade. I, don't, I, I prefer the Ulta knife. That's my personal two cents. Then I've got um, some PVA glue. This is a fun little bottle. I think I bought it on um, talisonline.com, um, but it has like a nice little fine point tip to extrude the glue at. And then I usually have like a Tupperware container with a lid with a like a big wide, whatever. Um, at some point when I get around to it, I'll make a list of like my favorite supplies um, and I'll put that in the files somewhere and I'll let you know when I've done that. Um, so that way, if you go on and you wanna buy like the fancy like lab quality stuff, you can. But for this, again, I'm not looking for you to be professional. I just want you to get that like that habit with your hands going. Um, then we got beeswax, again, not 100% mandatory, but will make your life a little bit easier. 
Um, this one I definitely got on Talus. Um, and an awl here, this is for poking holes through paper or board. Um, basically just a really thick, sharp needle. Uh, you, you can get them at Home Depot. I think the craft supply stores usually have them on hand. Um, Jerry's Artorama has some really good stuff. I just feel like they're a little bit on the pricier side. I was trying to make it to where you guys weren't spending two and $300 in supplies because that's just asinine. Um, so I'm trying to find like the cheapest, most like usable way for you guys to do this um, because I was a very, very broke college student. Um, so I, I understand that. Um, then we need some paint brushes of varying sizes. You don't need a crazy amount of things, but just something that you can, maybe like this big is good, you know, um, it's, it's not that big. Um, then what else we have in here? Binder clips are really good. Sometimes those work well if you don't have weights. Um, a brick with brown paper on it is great. Um, the scissors and a stapler. You don't need the stapler and those papers. If you have like a magazine that's folded in half and stapled in the middle that you're fine with taking the staples out and fixing it. Um, uh, by sewing it back together, that's fine. Um, that'll work too. And what else, what have I missed on here? Oh, the, the, the thread, the string um, here, I think I had you guys get, what was it, the twill tape. So we're gonna be doing two things with that. One is going to be doing a, maybe a closure if you, it's an optional closure on one of the boxes that we're gonna build. And the second thing is to tie together your book um, once we have kind of ripped him apart, we'll tie him, um, together so he doesn't fall apart. So just enough to tie around this way once and this way once, and that should be fine. You don't really need much more than that. And then some kind of cutting mat. So those really thin plasticky ones at Walmart for 50 cents in the cooking aisle, like the, the food, what is it? The chopping, cutting board, that's the word, cutting board. Um, that's like bendy or even just your regular kitchen cutting board, whatever. Again, doesn't need to be fancy, just usable. So this is great training for if you actually do work in an archive because we never have money or supplies. So, okay. Did that answer some of the supply questions? And do you have more? I'm happy to answer those now. I'll wait a second or two while I put my supplies back. Um, I also recommend, oh, glue, um, sheesh, regular Elmer's glue will work for what we're doing this time around, um, and uh, you just don't want to be doing any, um, you don't want to do any, like, epoxies or, uh, what are the, are the hard ones that get really nasty? You don't want to do anything like crazy glues or anything. Um, so yeah, no questions yet. What paper is best? Honestly, just copy paper is fine for now. Um, we're going to talk in lectures about what paper is actually ideal and where to purchase all these things um, when it's pertinent to the job that you're doing. We'll, I'll make sure that we highlight specifically what it is you, you really need when you're in the job. So like the acid-free papers and, and all that, we'll get into that. 
But as far as like all of our virtual labs and stuff, totally fine and just using copy paper. Honestly, the cheaper stuff that you can get, the better, because if you don't need to use it again, why spend the money on it? So you don't have to get the exact, if you can't find the kit that I recommended on Amazon, that's fine. You can get any other bookbinding kit or, or um, you, you can get, uh, you know, push pins for the awl instead, um, like thumbtacks. You can use a thumbtack uh, instead of an awl and a pinch, it's fine. Um, and again, most of these supplies, we're only gonna be doing like one or two different um, uh, projects with each item. So I don't want you to spend a ton of money on it if it's not something you're keeping with you forever and ever. It, for these projects, it doesn't matter if the beeswax is scented, but if you're working in a lab, it will need to be unscented just because the scents, you, you don't know what the fragrances are made out of, so it might interact with the paper and, and stuff weird, but we'll get into weird chemical reactions another time. Um, I think I caught, yeah, we'll make a list of all the fancy supplies and cheaper alternatives. We, we could probably make that like an editable Google Doc, and that way everyone can like add in stuff that they found that might make it pretty easy. Um, yeah, I think, um, I wanna say Jerry's Artorama had a couple um, of the Line Co bookbinding kits and then Walmart, the online um, uh, site had some kits. Um, but if you just want to buy bare minimums, just the, the needle, thread and all, and then maybe the bone folder. I think those four would be um, the four things that you could take with you to any job that would be very useful. Um, if you wanna look at it that way, or we can just go to Dollar Tree and find some cool stuff. Oh, Jerry's doesn't have a kit in person. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure. Okay, I'm gonna go back to sharing my screen now. There we go. Right. So there's my cool picture of all the supplies that I just showed you. I think that's also the picture I changed the class picture to, essentially. All right, virtual labs. So I know we went over them a little bit before, um, but we'll just take a second now if you have any questions, particularly about the virtual labs. Um, once I get into it here for a second, um, feel free to ask away. Um, so let's see. So the first virtual lab that we're going to be doing, I'm calling book dissection because that's just fun. And so this should take, depending on how quick you are at taking pictures and uploading and how comfortable you are doing that stuff, it could be even faster. If you're not very comfortable, it could take a little bit longer. So um, it's up to you, um, you know, there. So basically what it is that I want you guys to do um, is to, I may share my uh, video here again in a second to show you, um, is we're going to basically just take a bunch of pictures of the book from every angle. And we're going to basically build up um, a document of some sort. And it's up to you how you want to submit that document to me. It could be a Word document, it could be a PowerPoint. Um, a, um, you can 
make a video of yourself doing it and narrating it instead. Um, it, it's up to you if you want to get creative with it. I just need to be given these things with the labels on them, whether that label is verbal or written. I'm, I'm fine either way, whatever's going to be easiest for you. Um, then let's see. So the supplies that you're going to need are an old book, the utility knife, a camera of some sort. Again, your phone is totally fine. A uh, diagram of some book parts, which I've added into this PowerPoint. And I've already linked the PowerPoint in the Canvas course. And then um, there's also a bunch of other diagrams that you can find anywhere online. Then again, the compilation method, whatever. If you have a blog, you can post it to your blog. Um, I'm good with any of that. So we just need a book and here's one that was gifted to me, I think, yes, last week, week before from the library, um, it came in in my repair cart. And then this area, let me see if I can highlight this for you. Hmm. Draw. There we go. Sure, squiggly lines are good. Why not? see that oh, brown on brown that's very visible um so this area right here is the front hinge there we go yellow is much better um this area right here is the front hinge and so you'll be cutting that area just to see how the inside of the book looks so um what I mean by that is like the inside of the spine area. Um, let me stop sharing that. And so I will demonstrate here on my book that is going to be recycled anyway, ready for some book surgery. Um, <laughs> nervous laughter. So, okay. I need to make my screen a bit bigger so I can see what I'm doing while doing this backwards. Okay. So, interesting. There we go. All right, so we've got the front hinge here. My microphone's on the other side. All right, now, right in this area right in here inside this little valley is um it's kind of a little flimsier you can tell it's not glued onto anything and you're just going to slice it Let's see without slicing your finger preferably I should have taken the old blade off before I did this. There we go. So you can see right in here in the head of the book. See how it has a little gap there. And if you've worked in a library before putting tattle tapes in, this is the same place where you stick the stick with the tattle tape in there to get it right against the, the, the spine in here. So if you can get your utility knife in this way here and pull it away. You can usually see 
where the book separates. Does that make sense? Yeah, we're gonna be opening up the spine. So we're basically making an expanded view, like an exploded view, so like this. So the book is still completely bound unless you get a really like damaged book that has the hinges already going crazy. But um, I want you to be able to see this part in here and all this stuff. And I want you to be able to write your labels in here on what all of this is. Okay, sorry, I see a lot of questions coming in. Give me a second, let me go back up. Please don't feel bad for your poor book. This is why you're buying secondhand books. And uh, I, if it doesn't gross you guys out too much, um, I will share some pictures of some of my work injuries. Um, I'll put a trigger warning on those for you. And yes, we are opening it out to the spine. Cool, 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 yep, yep, yep. Um, so yes, the utility knife is just, I don't know ever what to call them, but when I buy them, it says utility knife. So it's basically just a box cutter. You could use a scalpel or um, a razor blade um, in a pinch. I don't like using the razor blades because it's not as, you, you can't get a good grip on it. Um, but as long as it has like the, the plasticky metally piece to hold it and, and keep it safe, um, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and not allowed to use a kitchen knife. Oh no, um, I might send you some, uh, some, some gloves uh, for, um, for that. If your book has book tape along the spine, just do it anyway, or you can tear the tape off. Um, and however it is, if your book is already, the spine's already coming off, you can just help it the rest of the way and then take the pictures that way. It doesn't necessarily have to be on that, um, on that hinge, but if your book is completely bound and not falling apart yet, that the hinge is gonna be the easiest way to get in there and still see everything. Um, yes, the thread and needle, we'll work on doing some sutures, that's fine. Um, please don't make me teach you how to do sutures. I, I don't want that. But yeah, the cut resistant kitchen gloves are great, but um, yeah, microplane. Um, they, you also lose a lot of dexterity. Also, it seems really counterintuitive, but the sharper your knives are, the less injury you'll probably have because when you have dull knives and you're working with dull tools, um, it has a tendency of slipping off the object a lot easier. Um, in a previous life, I worked as a chef, um, a, a sushi chef, and um, I uh, really sharp knives are, are very, very, very good. So um, yeah, I, I've endured a lot of paper cuts and other miscellaneous cuts. I actually cut my hand. Um, I don't know if any of you are old enough, but there's a movie called Waiting a couple of years back, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Um, and there was a one clip in there about Nick, Nick and T-Dog and that they would cut you. And so I have a huge um, book guillotine and a, uh, a board cutter in the lab and they're named Nick and T-Dog. Um, because that's how I roll. Useless information. Again, tangent, someone needs to yell squirrel. Okay, so um, that's basically how um, that's gonna go. So that is the most that we're doing as far as 
hands-on bit. Um, so the rest of it really is just taking pictures of everything and uploading it in some kind of format that you're comfortable with doing that in. If you want to annotate the pictures on your phone, because that's easier, and then just upload them into a Google Drive, and then I can click through them as long as I see you pointing out what's what, that's fine. Again, I don't want you to be wasting time trying to make a beautiful document. Just get it. I want it to be functional. It doesn't have to be pretty. Um, so that's going to be our, um, our, our, our motto for the, for the term is it should be functional and not pretty. So if I see things start to come in looking really pretty, I'm going to yell at you for spending too much time on something. Um, okay, so the virtual labs, I've already said that we are not, I'm not grading them to look pretty, right? I'm grading them on how well you follow directions, your problem solving skills, putting ideas into practice, what mistakes you made along the way, if you caught and fixed those mistakes, and then how to critique your own work. So at the very end, um, you, let me pull my little, I, I'll be posting this a little bit later, but um, each week I have a, a weekly checklist type of thing for you guys, um, mostly for, for my edification, but um, I'll, I'll upload them for you guys as well because I think it'll be useful. Um, it has all the required readings, uh, the supplemental readings, and then the full um, virtual lab. So on here it says to, you will, you're basically just gonna take pictures, upload them. And then on the last page of your document or PowerPoint or whatever, um, I know I love templates, I do them for everything. Um, on the last page of your PowerPoint, Word doc, whatever, you're gonna write a short report, like two or three paragraphs. Um, nobody, I, listen, I've gotta I've got to grade all this stuff by myself, so um, work with me. Uh, just get the information down in the most like succinct, clear way that you can. Um, I'm, I'm basically telling you guys to do the things that I've kind of learned the hard way in the last, couple years working here doing this job is, um, you know, functionality uh, um, and, and just getting like to the point because nobody has time to read anything, especially um, management. So take, take that for what you will. Um, so you're gonna write a short report, two or three paragraphs at most about your findings on your project. It, you know, this one is really just to like wet your feet, get used to this type of project. Um, so did, did you like the project? What, what, you know, did you learn some new vocabulary about it? Um, did, had you been calling something the wrong name for years and years? Um, what kind of binding did you end up with? Is it case bound? Is it perfect bound? Is it, you know, any one of these other types of bindings? Um, I'll have some links up to good places to look for um, visual cues of what it is that you're looking at as far as bindings are concerned. Um, you can answer like, what kind of materials did you see used in the book? Is the paper brittle? Is it yellowing? And did you notice anything else about the book? Is there any dirt? Um, things like that. So we're going to keep this book from here. And this is the book. Anytime we're doing any book work, we're going to be working off of this book. 
Um, so don't overthink it. I promise you, I don't have any other ulterior motives uh, or trick wording. I, I'm not trying to make it sound easy, but I'm going to get you at the end. I'm, I promise I'm not doing any of that. I just want you to like learn how to document and take really clear photos. So I should be able to see what's in the picture. I, I am kind of particular about that. Like try your best with lighting within reason. I understand lighting is horrible um, in certain situations, but um, just do your best to uh, pretend like you are documenting this book for a museum um, who wants to take it to put it on loan, like to put it on exhibit somewhere. So you're loaning them a book to put it on exhibit. That's kind of what we're learning here is like photographing things and naming things. Um, as far as uploading and getting it to me, you can submit it again. I've said through um, Google Docs and um, all this word, whatever you want to do it there. Um, if you want to do it through, if you do annotated pictures, I will even allow having it posted through Instagram or Twitter um, as well. And then you would just submit like in the submission area in the document, you would just submit a document with the Twitter feed or Instagram link or TikTok link or whatever um, there. So that way I know where to go to find that information. So um, I am totally cool with doing it in the social media format as well, because I'm kind of I'll give you a hashtag to use that we can find it as well. Um, and that's a very selfish way of me of doing that is it also promotes the idea of preservation for libraries and showing other people what we're working on. So it's a selfish way of me getting that information out there. Okay, any questions on that so far? Oh, due dates, thanks for asking. Okay, so technically, Technically, yes, everything is due by Sunday night. However, life is real and due dates for me are more suggestions. So there's a lot of wiggle room um, on due dates. So everything has a due date, but if you submit it late, no points are taken off. I really don't wanna regret doing it this way. So I ask very kindly not to take advantage of that. Um, just because I don't want to have the last week of classes and then I have everyone submitting everything they've done all semester all at once and then I have a, a breakdown. So the due dates are recommended and it's really just the best way that I think if you submit everything on time, it's the best way for you to understand what's happening in the future classes going forward. Um, so discussion responses, yes, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want you guys staying up till midnight on Sundays and in a panic um, to get something, uh, you know, if you could keep it within a week or two of the actual due date, within a week of the actual due date, that would be the most helpful for me. Um, but that's, I don't know if that answers your question at all. No, not a huge deal. So if you submitted something on a Tuesday instead, so if you have 
um, I, I know I have like Wednesdays are usually my like crazy busy day. So, and Sundays are usually a family day for me. Um, so if you have like Mondays or Tuesdays are your day off or the day that you're the most productive in class, by all means do everything and submit it on Tuesday or Monday or Wednesday, whatever works for you. Um, like I said, I'm gonna try and be really lenient, um, but I'll let you guys know if I start getting, if it starts getting a little bit out of hand and I need a little bit of help with um, kind of spacing out things. Does that make sense? Does that make it harder or easier for you? More confusing? Okay. Yeah, I, I just feel I, it's such a fun class. Um, I'm hoping it's gonna be a fun class um, that I just, I don't want, I don't want you guys to get all caught up and, and stressing yourselves, life's short. So, okay, I am going to share my screen again. I've got more things and I knew I was gonna talk way over on everything else. So we'll see how much of this we can get through. Um, feel free to ask questions if you need to. So we've got some actual definitions that we're going to get into of what preservation, conservation, and restoration are. And so these are the actual definitions given to us by um, AIC, which is like uh, America's national standard um, professional organization, I guess. So it's the American Institute of Conservation. They've gone through, I wanna say last year, year before, they did a big like overhaul on um, their naming and, and stuff. Um, but it's the big um, conservation um, professional organization that we follow here in the States. Then there's ICON over in the UK and there's also a regional one. So there's also CERCA here, SE, S-E-R-C-A, Southeastern Regional Conservation Association. Um, and their dues are much more doable, um, like $20. And they are constantly having get togethers. I think it's usually in like Atlanta. Um, definitely worth it as if, if you're interested in going further in conservation or preservation, um, might be something to look into. Um, AIC has on their website, um, some really great stuff that we'll probably get into a little bit later in this semester, but um, like discussion boards and, and things like that, that they, that they have that are really great. Okay, um, but why do we have preservation? Um, I don't know if you guys can annotate your screen, but if you wanted to type out some ideas of why, why you think we have preservation, like what's the point of it? Why? Why do libraries even need preservation? See if it's working. No, maybe not. Okay, so yeah, to preserve things for the future, to make things last, protect the materials. Mm -hmm. History shouldn't be forgotten. Yep. To preserve and keep the past. To save important cultural items for posterity. Yep. Yeah. So I guess adding to that, we'll do a little bit of an info dump here. Um, 
purposely close out of my annotations here. Um, sorry, I'm skipping this so quickly. I wanted to get more answers, but we're getting late and I don't want to keep it too long. Um, oops. There we go. I'll, I'll learn this technology thing. Uh, to protect from deterioration, we don't know what's lying around that might be valuable in the future. Yep, all good. Okay, so here I have what I'm calling an info dump. So basically, um, we have, I figure out how I wanted to say this. I had it perfect earlier. So we, the way I look at it is we have preservation um, to keep information in circulation as long as possible, right? So we, uh, we being humans um, as a species, uh, created writing, right, for a way to keep our oral history store, like oral histories and our stories and our myths alive. And that was how we pass our information on from you know, generation to generation. Um, but, you know, telephone only works so well and that information needed to be shared wider or, you know, so we developed writing. Um, do you guys know what the first writing was? Like what it was written on, what it was called? second cave drawings yeah cave drawings is great yeah lithograph stone mm -hmm. hieroglyph so i'm specifically thinking in um one of the first writing systems that we that most linguists will give credit to as far as like on written down for us to see today um that there's still a record of is yeah, cuneiform. Um, so the little uh, wedges on the clay tablets. Um, so they, the Assyrians, actually the, the reason why they started writing things into clay was um, accounts is to keep, to balance, basically to balance their checkbooks. Um, I always thought that was a fun fact. Um, so we have all this writing, all this information, um, oral storytelling, clay tablets, papyrus, scrolls, books, vinyl records, parchment, CDs, VHS, you know, all these different types of um, uh, kipu photographs, blueprints, um, knitwear, all these things are just ways for us to give information from one person to another. Um, so these are all the methods that we've used historically to preserve our history, right? So a lot of these I have seen come and go just in my time. My favorite one right here is flex discs. I don't know if you guys see that in the third, all the way to the right, the flex, the flex play disc. Um, does anyone remember those? Are you guys, anyone know what those were? Nope. Okay, so flex play discs were very, very short-lived. Um, I think they were only around less than five years and it was basically a DVD and it was like red and blackish looking and they were, 
in the original like red box um, that you still see. So they, they tried testing these for a while. And basically what it was, was a DVD that was in a envelope that you would check out. And instead of having to return it, it would just basically self-destruct. It would, the chemical reaction would happen after a certain amount of time after it hitting the air and oxygen. And then it would just stop playing. It would damage the disc, it would turn it black. Um, so it couldn't be read. Um, it wasn't very effective, but it was very interesting. And um, there's a couple people who have some of those in collections. So it brings up interesting ideas of, well, how do you preserve that? What's important about that information? Is it what's on the disc? Because it's probably just, you know, Mission Impossible or whatever other um, movie that you have at that time. Or is it the actual um, the, the disc itself? That's the example of innovation or what have you. Um, so just interesting ideas about like what, what's important in a document or in an item. Um, so we're gonna be playing on, on that idea a lot um, coming forward. And I know we only have a couple more minutes. So preserving something built to self-destruct is a great question, especially when you go into like artist books and stuff today. And it is a question that you have to ask yourself and is, well, what is it that that person wanted? Um, these particular discs, you know, the the point of them was to play media. They never worked very well. They almost always failed, and they were a horrible, horrible invention, um, just a resounding fail. But um, very interesting that somebody tried it and put so much money into doing it. Um, but then when it comes to artist books and art and um, items in museums, um, what, what do you preserve? Like, how do you make those de decisions? So I'm gonna skip forward a couple, just so we can continue this conversation. So in here, there are the parts of the book. I do have graphics here on, um, to help you figure out what's, what's where. Um, so you can access this, these slides later um, if, if you wanna look into those. Um, we may go over handling a book um, next week when we do paper and book um, care. So I wanted to get a little bit into the ethics because it's what I find really interesting um, is so making repair decisions is do you, you know, you need to have guidelines, who makes the repairs, who makes those decisions, you know, in your institution, is there someone who has set up a document, you know, a guidelines or a document or something that says this is who's allowed to do this and who's not allowed to do this. Do they have to have a certain amount of training? Um, the ethics of actually repairing or preserving something is one of the things that I find the most fascinating is like just because you can clean something or you can repair something doesn't necessarily mean that you should or that's the best option for that thing. Um, and I didn't prepare because I knew we weren't going to have time to get to it, but I'm, I'm regretting it now, is there are several like cultural items that you can get into um, a lot of, I want to say it was in one of the podcasts that I listened to, this podcast called The C Word, A Conservator's Podcast, highly recommended. And actually a couple of the episodes are going to be um, um, like not required, but like suggested um, listening. 
um, but they were talking about um, the this um, basically a, a ceremonial shirt, a garb that this native culture in the UK somewhere. Um, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not remembering all the details. It's several years ago I heard this. Um, it was for basically your coming of age um, ceremony. And this particular item was like over 100, 200 years old and passed down from generation to generation. And this museum in the UK had um, acquired it along the way at some point, uh, mysteriously. I don't know if you can see my air quotes there. Um, but so the conservators there were trying to figure out what's the best course of action. Like, do we repair it? Is it meant to be repaired? Because uh, a lot of native cultures will believe um, or do believe, excuse me, that um, everything has a lifespan. And so if you are dragging out the life of this object, you're not letting it live its full life and you're doing a disservice to it. So in that case, do you defy what the original creators wanted just so you have that artifact? Or do you take a more culturally sensitive um, approach and follow their wishes and know that this item was meant to be touched and lived and um, and handled and new spirit imbued into it from their ancestors. Um, so they had this this garment and they allowed this young man, uh, like I want to say about 16, to put it on and they had a whole little ceremony with um, the, the the village elders um, in the museum, in the storage, uh, in a special place that they set up in the storage area for them. And um, they said it was just a very moving um, experience to see these items that they've taken care of and cleaned and you know done their scientific work on, but to see it in a whole new light um, kind of opens your eyes as to what's, what's important about this item. Where, where's the value in it? Who owns the material? Um, so let's see, do you, does your library have repair rules? Like my library, particularly for the special collections items, they prefer we don't repair them is to box them instead. And if it is a repair that really needs to be done, um, I work with a conservator that I will have come in who's been trained specifically in that field in book and paper or whatever else to, to do those repairs. Um, so that was the last slide. Good. I didn't make it. I'm a minute over. But if you guys want to stay, I'm happy to talk um, for about whatever you want. So at work, there was a time where we had photographic negatives. I had cracked and started to give off a vinegar-like smell. We had to destroy them because they continued to disintegrate. Yep. And they started to affect the other artifacts around them. We also did not have the capabilities to stop what was happening to them since they need a specific research. Okay. So that's actually called vinegar syndrome. Um, or it, So the, the smell of vinegar that you get is um, is acetic acid. So that's what vinegar is made up of. And so when you have photographs or film or anything that's on that plasticky film, um, it, it, it just starts separating. And once it starts, there is no stopping it. You can slow it down a little bit by keeping it in a refrigerator. Um, but you need to, like film just has to be kept in a very, very gentle, 
temperature and humidity range, and it does not do well with fluctuations. So if you're going up and down in temperature, that's the worst that you can do for that. And it, it will unfortunately crack and, and give off that vinegar smell. Um, the vinegar syndrome also could be uh, a little problem as far as health and safety is concerned as well, because it can, I know from experience, if you are sitting in a room full of items that are decaying from vinegar syndrome, um, it will make you lightheaded and feel like you're gonna pass out and nauseous. Um, and also if it touches, if it's at a high enough, far enough gone um, decay, it can actually get be a skin irritant. So you can get um, some, some light skin burns from it um, because it is an acid. So the vinegar you eat versus the vinegar, the acetic acid that's coming out of this, it's the same chemical, but just at a different um, um, uh, whoo, dilution, there's the word. Uh, so I think edible vinegar is at 3% and the acetic acid is like the cleaning one is 5% and then the vinegar syndrome can be anywhere up from that 7, 8, 10, 12%. So it's really interesting stuff. Um, yeah, we have entire rooms of, of that. Yeah, microfilm is horrible. And so everyone um, will say, uh, you know, I get a big kick out of it. So uh, of digitization, everyone's like, oh, just digitize it. And that's the ultimate way to preserve it. And it makes me laugh because they said the same thing in the 50s and 60s with the microfilm. They're like, oh, you can carry the entire um, Library of Congress in a, in a briefcase um, now that it's been digitized, you know. And then they destroyed all the originals because why you didn't need them, they were digitized now, they were on microfilm. Um, but now we're discovering that the microfilm that was made prior to the 1980s actually is, is aggressively decomposing and turning either very fragile and flaking apart or um, just turning into goo in your hands. Um, so, uh, ironically enough, my husband actually works in preservation, uh, digital preservation. So he builds the uh, servers and does uh, digital preservation. So I may have him come in to chat with us at some point. Um, he builds the software for institutional repositories. So, um, yeah, so we have a good laugh about digital preservation being the best thing ever. Um, so that's all I really have for you guys today. Um, if you have any questions, I plan to stay here until about 9.30ish or longer if you guys um, need me. Um, I am going to try my best to get module two open up in the next couple of days in case you wanna work ahead. Um, but it has been a lot trying to get everything um, migrated over from my notes and typed up and put in. So bear with me as I try to get through that. Um, but yeah, feel free to kind of be a chip on my shoulder and make sure I'm doing stuff and answering questions for you. So you are all so very welcome. I am very excited about the semester. Um, and I can't wait to see uh, what you guys end up doing and whatever. The slides um, from tonight are already up on I think I set it to the home page, but it says quick links and it has um, it has the slide the link to the Google slides already there. Um, and then once I finish um, the recording here, I will upload that so you'll have the recording as well.
think I missed a couple questions here. If you asked a question, bear with me, I'm sorry. Oh, the Bennett photo collection. Hi, Ellie. Um, yeah, yes, the nit nitrate test. We got to go set some film on fire. You know, uh, it's still in the lab and um, it, yeah, it, it's just me these days. I don't have any student assistants. So if you guys need a job starting in the fall, I'll probably be hiring two or three student assistants. Um, so just a heads up. Um, I don't pay much, but I'm a lot of fun. See, I pay in coffee and as well as whatever the library pays you. Slides are up. I'm hoping it'll be a really good semester too. Good. Yes, to be determined. All right, I will hang around for more questions. It does not matter if your Frankenbook has a Mylar cover. Nope, you can remove the Mylar cover or keep it or whatever. Use it as part of one of your demonstrations later on. Uh, if you live in Knoxville and need help, can you come to Hodges to see me? Uh, yes, as long as you make an appointment with me. I'm not there every day, um, but I am in the lab occasionally, uh, usually every other Wednesday morning. Um, so yes, but make an appointment. <laughs> like, let me know you're coming so I know to, to expect you. Awesome. Yay!